0: Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro.
1: Welcome back to Explore the Space podcast and welcome to our first episode of 2023. Delighted to be back. Delighted to be here with a brand new episode to kick off the year. Been looking forward to it. Had a nice little break and ready to get back to cranking out outstanding podcast content for you. We are off to a strong start this year. Jasmine Brown is here to join us. She is a medical student, a Rhodes Scholar, and the author of the wonderful new book, Twice as Hard. The book lays out a continuum of American history and the journey of black women physicians in the United States. It's absolutely tremendous. I learned an absolute ton, and it was a real awakening for me. I'm a history major. I did AP history in high school. I got my degree in history from UCLA. I'm a physician. I love medical history. There was so much in here that I had never heard, never been educated around, never researched myself. This was a wonderful experience to get to read this book written by a tremendous historian and a physician to be. Speaking with Jasmine about it was absolutely fantastic. She's done an incredible thing with this book, not just with the content, but also creating the research base that others can use as a springboard. And that's something she and I actually spent a fair amount of time talking about. And also having it be available during Black History Month just makes it that much more special and that much more resonant. We're going to be off to a big year in 2023 on Explore the Space podcast, but the archive is still there. Over three hundred episodes there for you to check out. www.explorethespaceshow.com or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Definitely subscribe. Leave us that five star rating and review. That really helps us out. You can hit me on Twitter at ets show, Instagram at explorethespaceshow, and you can email me anytime mark at explorethespaceshow.com. You can also check out the Explore the Space merchandise store www.explorethespaceshow.com forward slash merch. All kinds of fun stuff in there to check out. So please do so. I am so excited to be back in 2023. We're gonna have a great year. We've got all kinds of fun stuff coming up. We're gonna have med lasso conversations. We're gonna have great guests. We're gonna have just just the best. I, I cannot wait. I'm ready to rock and roll. I hope you are too. And we are off to a strong start. Let's get to it. Jasmine Brown on her new book, Twice as Hard. Jasmine, welcome to Explore the Space Podcast. I'm delighted you're here to kick off 2023 on Explore the Space. You'll be the first guest. Welcome.
0: Oh, wow! Thank you for having me. That's such an honor
1: it's it's a it's perfect timing the your your book twice as hard hit the shelves in January, and so it's been kind of cooking along. I'm having a hard time fathoming being a third year medical student with a book out, just kind of from that high level strategic view, writing a book as a medical student, getting a book through the editorial process, and then doing. The publicity and just enjoying the ride of having a book hit the <laughs> shelf crystallized that for us a little bit.
0: Uh, it's it's been a journey. I would say mostly highs, but there definitely have been challenges. So I started off writing the book during my master's degree, but then it was based off my dissertation. I started pursuing publishing like right after I finished my master's, which was as I was going into medical school. I got the book deal my first semester and I was nervous, like, how am I going to balance these two things? Because med school is intimidating. Writing a book is intimidating. But it worked out. Like I started in 2020, so it was pretty isolating. Being in med school was mostly virtual. And so there were times where I question like, can I get through this thing? Like, this is a lot. But having the women that I was researching and writing about, they were inspirational for me. And just knowing the things that they had gone through, I'm like, okay, I can get through this. So I don't have any family in medicine, so this is, was all new to me. Like, I knew to be a doctor, you have to go to medical school, but I didn't really know what happened after that. So just... Getting an understanding of what medical school would look like, how the different stages um, would look, there was a lot of uncertainty with that. So one thing that I had heard was it's difficult to do much of anything during clerkship year. So that was like my big benchmark. Like, let me finish this book before I start clerkship year. and, And that was a big driver for me. I would write a lot the beginning of a block when things were a bit lighter and then during holidays and over the summer but i finished i submitted the final manuscripts right before starting clerkships there was a bit of editing, like the line editing and everything, but mostly it was production. So then during clerkship year was excitement of getting the book cover, different design ideas, seeing how that's looking, like getting the blurbs. And then it just worked out based off the publication date that it was right after I finished. So I finished in December. The book came out January 24th. So it's like I'm I'm working towards the pub date. Yeah, and I, I actually did an elective last month, so it was a bit difficult then. I was doing an ophthalmology elective. <laughs> so I, I had heard before, like, it's good to take the day off of your release date, but I didn't take the day off. <laughs> it was just working. Yeah. So I had to wait until the end of the week to look in bookstores, but then that was really awesome, like, finally getting to yeah. go. Seeing it in bookstores, getting to do the whole signing and everything.
1: As you're, as you're describing all of this, you know, this is an audio podcast, of course, but you and I have video so I can see your face as you're describing all of this and you keep smiling, which makes me feel like you are way understating or something. There was so much more to all of this, right? And I don't expect you to be able to crystallize this in like two minutes, but what a monstrous journey in parallel to going to medical school. I mean, I'm thinking to myself when I was a medical student, that was all I did. Um, yeah. You know, same thing, right? I was away from family. I was trying to make friends. But other than that, it was time to hit the books and study. Um, it's it's a, It sounds like, I don't know, it just sounds really formative in a lot of ways. It sounds mm-hmm. like there's just so many things that you help that helped you to kind of focus and hone in on and obviously to have a real goal in mind. I am curious, though, how much of this was done with the support of the medical school and how much of this was done with kind of a sense of transparency of here's what I'm doing. Here's what I wrote before I came here. Here's what I'm working on. I've got a deal, and here's the subject matter. I'm going forward. H- how did that kind of conversation <clears throat> proceed? And I ask that because there are hopefully more like you mm. to do stuff like this. And I feel like you're you know in, in in the same manner as the nine women that you write about. You're part of that continuum. Right? This is trailblazing stuff. There will mm. be people who follow the pathways that you've kind of created around entering medical school and writing books and doing all of these things and seeing, oh, this can be done. Was there support from the institution as you were trying to blaze those trails or was it just sort of you with machete in hand?
0: I would say there was support. Like I didn't have editors at the school, but I did have people giving me permissions. There's a lot of pressure for students to do biomedical research. Let's say over the summer or whatever you want to do, some competitive special, make sure you're getting like papers in that field. But going into med school, I reached out to one of the diversity deans and asked, would this be acceptable? And he said, Yeah, this is a great project. Like this is something this is research, just like these other forms of research. And you can definitely pursue that. So that was a big help that gave me that permission to work over the summer just on a book, which was really important for getting it finished by the deadline I had set.
1: Were you surprised that they were so receptive, or did you feel like this is this is in the wheelhouse? Right, you're you're a Rhodes scholar. You've done a master's degree. You understand the process of doing historical research. I love it. I'm a history major. That's what I got my degree in. So I also totally see the connection between what we do as medical students and physicians in training. But did did you expect that level of support, or were you anticipating a little more friction?
0: I was definitely anticipating friction. Like I I did yeah. neuroscience in undergrad, and I was in that space where the publisher perish, like you need to have all these fancy medical journals on your resume. So I was thinking I would have to, do balance my book and some like clinical research projects but that was a big relief when i heard that no this is okay you're doing something cool so i didn't have the book deal at that point so then that was even nicer um because i got it the my first semester so yeah my that dean he was giving me support even before i officially Uh, got the book deal
1: What was that like when you were able to kind of go back to the, you know, the, the people in administration and the mentors that you had who were supporting you to come back and say, not only am I doing this work, but Hey, I got a book deal.
0: It was awesome. It was when I found out that I was, got the deal, I was actually with my learning team, which is like the small group. That was basically the only group of people that I got to meet during my first year because of COVID and we were eating together I got this email from my edit or no, I got this email from my literary agent like, oh, this publishing house is interested in your book. And then that was like a huge high. Like I was so excited and getting to share it with them and similarly like sharing it with my supporters. I didn't know that many faculty at um, Penn where I, I go. Because of COVID, like, I didn't get to meet anyone in person. So it was really that one faculty who I was corresponding with. But it was really great being able to bring back that news to him. And then my supporters from undergrad and grad school, like, that was really awesome to share with them.
1: Yeah, uh, that's that's fantastic. In the book, one of the themes that came up for me a lot as I was reading it was the idea of, kind of in parallel, the idea of legacy and also the mm-hmm. idea of sort of one person's journey facilitating another, not necessarily because they knew each other or they were mentoring one another, but there was this continuum. And you mentioned earlier how in kind of those hard moments, you reflected on the women you were writing about and their journeys and kind of feeling like I am, I can do this, having recognized what they've been through on the year end episode of Explore the Space. uh, Kimberly Manning came on and we talked a lot Mm -hmm. about legacy. uh, and, And, you know, she comes on, we close out the year every year. Do you feel like or do you have a sense yet or maybe is it too soon to see where your journey in the book fits into that continuum? Does it even Mm -hmm. feel like hubris to put yourself next to the, the people that you wrote about or does it feel correct? For me as a reader, it makes perfect sense, but I wonder how that sort of settling in for you now that the book is done, it's out, and you're reflecting in the way that you're reflecting talking with me.
0: It is hard for me to put myself next to them, next to the woman in my book. Just because I look up to them so much, I haven't fully made it yet. I'm not a doctor.
1: So getting the degree feels like a big checkpoint for you. Definitely. Yeah, okay. That makes sense.
0: Just that's the first step, but yeah, I have to get there first before I can f- officially be in the legacy. I feel like, um, but I do agree with you that there are people who have, there have been other readers or other people who've uh, learned about my book who have shared that perspective that they feel like I'm a part of the legacy, and it's really, um, meaningful to hear that and, and that I'm inspiring. Younger people, because that's a huge goal for me.
1: Of the women that you wrote about who are still alive, how many of them have you been able to form relationships with? How many of them are you aware of that may know about the book? And how have those sort of conversations gone?
0: So the three women of the book that are still alive, Doctor Riza Lavisa Moray, I got to form a relationship with. She actually I, I interviewed her, so we had a lot of back and forth as I was writing the book. Someone that I recently got to connect with as soon before the book like a few weeks before the book came out was Marilyn Gadsden because I was getting introduced to these different leaders within medicine. And then they're like, Oh, you should talk to this person. We should talk to this person. And when I saw her on this email chain, I'm like, wait, I have been trying to reach out to her and like connect with her for over (laughs) a year. And she's just in this email. um, And we had, we spoke on the phone and it was so wonderful um, being able to connect with her yeah, it was, it was a really awesome moment. And I, although a lot of the women have passed away, I also got to connect with the great niece of Dr. Farabee, who was one of the earliest women in the book. And that was also really exciting, um, being able to talk to her. I actually got to meet her at a conference that I went to a few weeks ago. So yeah, it's been really, I feel like it's like my book coming alive and it, it's just been a really awesome experience.
1: I like that you mentioned Dr. Fair, because my favorite quote in the book is the favorite anecdote in the book is the one from her where, and I'll, I'll paraphrase and you can probably correct me a little bit better, but it was the, the question to her done in, you know, in, a, in an opposing confrontational fashion, do you feel like you're good enough to do this? And her response was something <laughs> along the lines, of, not only do I think I'm good enough, I feel like I, I excel or something. It was just like, yeah. And then everyone yeah. got up and applauded when she did it. Like, that's, that was awesome. I love that part. Yeah. How much uh, you know as a history major for me like I'm I'm reading this and I was trying to get the sense of what was it like for you as the researcher in terms of finding primary sources in terms of finding you know relatives to connect with descendants to connect with was the was the the sort of the registry of primary sources particularly going all the way back to the, you know the antebellum period my my assumption, and I would love for you to kind of amplify this one way or the other, was that it was probably, probably pretty slim pickings. And I say that from the perspective of I was, I've been steeped in 19th century American history. I love it. I'm passionate about it. I did AP history in high school. I was a history major at UCLA studying 19th century American history. I'm a doctor. I love doing history of medicine electives. This subject matter never came up. It mm-hmm. really never came up, and part of that was the curriculum part of it was probably on me too, not having the sort of situational awareness and intellectual curiosity to go looking for it. There were other things that I was more focused on, but I, I just have that sense that this is going to be a really important work, and the notes and the resources in the back in the bibliography will be critically important because it establishes that research deck for for future work.
0: It was really hard it's While I was at Oxford, I had... So I've been trying to... I went in and I knew that my dissertation, I wanted to focus on the social and structural barriers that have prevented Black women from entering medicine. But when I looked in the literature even focusing on that area of race and medicine, gender within medicine, a lot of the literature focused on black men and white women. And so it was kind of trying to take those pieces, put it together. And it wasn't a few months into really digging into my research project that I found archives focusing on black women.
1: And it was like, I struck gold. And then where were there, they? Where did you find them? Where were, so, the, where were the archives in the papers?
0: That archive, um, the first one I found, I think it's like the Schellinger Library or something. It's like associated with Harvard's library and they had some oral histories that they had collected of black women in general. And then in the list of the black women that they had interviewed, there were a couple that were physicians. And so just like going through the bios, finding the ones that are physicians and listening to their interviews. And that was so powerful. I, I spoke about it early in the book with Dr. May Chen of hearing her voice and feeling like we had, cro- like, transpired through time and were able to connect despite the fact that she's no longer alive. And it was so powerful being able to hear these women's voices. Um, but that was the first archive that I found. And then it was just, like, slowly one after another, having different um, mentors while I was at Oxford who was like, maybe look into this um school or maybe look at this archive. So it was difficult. Um, And that was part of the reason why I felt like it was really important to share. I had a similar experience as you. One, before this project, I had never met a Black woman physician, even though I had been pre-med, done all my shadowing, whatever, clinical experience in undergrad. And also as a Black woman, like high school, didn't learn about black women physicians college didn't learn about them and even in my master's outside of my own research it was a master's in history of medicine but i didn't learn about black women physicians so yeah just that was a big goal that i had of hopefully getting those stories taught in schools more and been really exciting already hearing feedback from professors high school teachers like we're adding this to our curriculum so it's been really amazing
1: I think that in, you know, in the sort of maybe unanticipated positive consequences of the book, it's going to be that people can go to twice as hard and it will be the the consolidation of the research base. That hard work that you did to find all of those archives and and go through them, now someone will google your book, or buy it and then read the bibliography and just know right where to go. And yeah. that is so powerful as a historian and for future historians and students to just be able to springboard off of it. Obviously, the book comes out in a really interesting time, right? I mentioned that I took AP U.S. history. Um, I didn't say that by accident. This has become a topic now um, of what things should be included in our curriculum, what things should be discussed. I think that the fact that we have subject matter that has been excluded for a wide variety of structural reasons that you are now kind of flipping rocks on so we can all learn about and understand. I think the timing of this is critically important because it is... It's not just a discussion, it's objective proof of the value and the importance of of transparency in our history. Have you gotten feedback around that? The book came out January 24th in the week that, you know, you and I are having this conversation. We're seeing AP US history in, in African-American studies exploding on the front page of the New York Times. Are you getting mm. questions around this? Or are you having people kind of query, hey, what is the role of your research in this book in this ongoing national, now national conversation?
0: I haven't been queried specifically but i did see in one of the comments for my i'm
1: happy to be the first one
0: (laughs) yeah for my announcement that the book was out that uh someone was saying like unfortunately this won't be in schools in texas or something like that so
1: yeah yeah have you heard from medical schools yet about saying, "Hey, look, this is we've we've seen the book we're We're starting to read the book, and that there will be a role for it in future electives or in future curricula or things of that nature?"
0: Yeah, I was actually giving a lecture yesterday um for the Metropolitan Community College in Nebraska and they were saying that they have um it was them and then also in conversation with the Nebraska's medical school and they were saying that they have some summer program where they bring in students and that they were they might make my book like book that they will give out to those students um which is really awesome I have heard people like even at my school like oh this would be awesome like summer reading book or something um but no official commitments yet from school medical schools but for the like student recruiting or like the minority pipeline programs i think that's really awesome because those are the people not sure yet on if they want to pursue this path
1: sure and as you think about or at least how I like to think about these things, how we all kind of come together around this subject matter and learn about it. You know, I found out about you in the book through social media. Uh, We subsequently connected through social media, right? We have these large networks now that none of us could have anticipated 20 years ago that we would Mm -hmm. be able to connect in this way. That's why you and I are doing this right now. And as I was reading the book, I had that sense of in parallel, and you referenced it several times in the book, a sense of loneliness, right? During the mm-hmm. pandemic, we used these networks and we use social media to have some connection with people that we couldn't be with and see. There was this pervasive sense of loneliness of these women on these really difficult journeys isolated in space and time. Do you have a sense that they may have known about one another or known about one another's journeys, particularly in the nineteenth century and in the early part of the twentieth century, or was there so were they just so isolated, not just because of the society at the times, but you know the limitations of technology, the the and the expansiveness of geography?
0: I wasn't able to find it directly in any archives or any of my primary resources on if they found each other or if they were alone but that was my thought that they might have been lonely because they, they weren't being publicized even those early women on their successes and so then when there's only a few or a couple dozen black women physicians in the whole country that would seem pretty difficult for them to be able to find each other unless they were in the same city or same area
1: yeah that was sort of my suspicion, and then there's the anecdote about how three of the women that you reference were working in the White House at the same time.
0: Yeah, yeah. So maybe, was maybe that- they did, but they, they still didn't note it in any of their like reese primary yeah. resource or anything.
1: It's amazing to think about how far we've come in terms of not just the way we're able to connect, but whether it's the desire to connect or, or, or it's, it's hard to put a finger on, but I was struck by that, that there, you know, there's the statement that they were all in the administration at the same time, but whether they knew each other and were interacting is, is sort of hard to say. Do you feel like the, the power of networking now, the power of technology to drive research like this, was it helpful for you? Was it a hindrance for you? Was it? neither you're you're so used to doing research now over the course of the last decade was the experience now with the tools we have at hand better worse the same
0: i would assume better just because of while i wasn't fully tapped into the medicine networker community before starting medical school even those breadcrumbs of mentors or advisors who were able to direct me to certain resources, they probably found them some way as well. And then in terms of just getting through this journey, I feel like the network online and definitely in person as well is extremely important for me. I seek out that community so that even if I am oftentimes maybe isolated in a specific medical space like on a medical team and uh like seeing for some um programs like in an entire residency program no black people still finding that community and a way to come together i think it's really important so that fill us alone
1: yeah it was you know it was striking to to see the way you juxtaposed their sense of loneliness with what you were experiencing as a medical student as a black woman in medicine entering medical school at the peak of the covid pandemic when everything was done virtually it was a lot and it was a narrative technique that i actually really enjoyed the way you would write about the experiences of each of the women in the nine chapters and then also parallel it with what you were seeing feeling and experiencing as well it 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 worked because it brought right experiences from the 19th century it helped us to understand that they are still happening now good and bad uh and and for me at least as a reader and as a historian and as a physician it was i it was it was almost satisfying that this is not Mm. so far flung that this is still happening right history does repeat itself we still must learn these lessons so that these things can be better and the experiences can be different but in terms of not just the experiences of the women that you wrote about characteristics did you feel like there were common characteristics, personality traits, mindsets that were in each of the, the women that you wrote about and that for you as an individual say, these are things that I want to make sure I am carrying forward as part of this continuum?
0: Yeah, I think perseverance, persistence through the the challenges they faced, and creativity on finding new ways to get to where they want to go. Those were some characteristics that I saw through a lot of those women. And do I have those myself? I think I'm persistent. Creative. I think some of, like seeing some of the ingenuity that those women employed to me blew my mind. So I don't know if I would say that I'm that level of creative, but I do I do try to find ways to work around challenges that that I face.
1: Do you think that it will be something that you reach back on as you continue with your journey? Right, you'll you'll get ready for residency soon, then you'll be a resident. Then you may choose to do a fellowship, or you may choose to become an attending, or you may choose to do something else. Are there things that you learned about or ideas that you picked up in the course of your research and writing that are, that are stamped on you now, that are now in the DNA that you'll carry for the rest of your career for me or too early to say, is it too early to tell yet?
0: No, I feel like there were things that stamped on me from their journeys, particularly that if they, that persistence that they employed, that there can be a light at the end of the tunnel is a sampling bias because I chose women who were really successful, but as somebody that's early on in my career, pushing and pushing, trying to get through whatever challenges that I face, sometimes it can feel like, is there a point to this? But seeing them and all that they were able to overcome, and then also recognizing that as society changes, an individual's experience can also change drastically. Um, So just that reminder that I should keep moving forward, (laughs) Um, even when I may feel discouraged, because they did that and they became really, they achieved a really incredible thing. So yeah, that gave me hope.
1: That's a wonderful place to to be in now and to know going forward as you prepare for big examinations and then get ready for the rest of your career. And it's certainly important for all of us, too, within this profession and outside of the profession to remember that our shared history is critically important and there's things that we can't ignore and should not be painted over or otherwise ignored. We have to acknowledge them, learn from them and grow much in the manner that you just described. This is just absolutely wonderful. How do people find the book? Where do they go to get it? It's, it's available now. It's released. Where do people go to buy it?
0: It's available anywhere that books are sold. So whether it be online, at indie bookstores, Barnes & Nobles, Amazon, or in person, those bookstores, they're available. So yeah, if you're interested, check it out.
1: Awesome. We'll have links in the show notes for that as well. And where do people find you if they want to follow the journey you're on promoting the book and then just obviously being a part of the road that you'll walk for the next years? How do they find you?
0: My Instagram is Jasmine Brown Author, and so is my website, jasminebrownauthor.com. And then my Twitter is Jasmine B underscore author, so they can find me there.
1: Awesome. We'll have links to all those in the show notes. Jasmine, this was such a treat. Thank you for helping kick off 2023 on Explore the Space. The book was wonderful. I absolutely loved it. As an American, as a history major, as a physician, I just thought it was absolutely superb, and I'm delighted to have gotten to speak with you. This was fantastic.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
1: My thanks once again to Jasmine for joining me on our first episode of 2023 on Explore the Space podcast. There's links in the show notes. Definitely give them a click and get a copy of her book, Twice as Hard. It is absolutely worth reading and it's worth sharing. There's a whole lot of reasons why. The history in it's amazing. The storytelling in it is fantastic. The continuum that it lays out I think is really important for all of us to have increased awareness around and then obviously it's just a tremendous springboard for more research. She has aggregated so much material that people who want to do more work in this space now really are going to be much better equipped than ever before to do so. Definitely let me know what you think of this episode. Hit me on Twitter at ETS Show, Instagram at explore the space show, and you can email me, Mark, at the space show.com. Check out the archive, www.ExploreTheSpaceShow.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please do share this one. That really helps the show out. It's a lot of fun. It keeps the conversations going. So share with your friends, your colleagues, your family. We're going to have a big year in 2023. I am absolutely excited. We'll be back soon with more great content. Until then, take care. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at
1: explorethespaceshow.com.